Yes, we want to welcome you to House of Prayer's first uh, podcast. This is something we've been wanting to do for some time. Um, but now that is finally, we have the time and the ability to do this and thought we'd give it a try. Uh, we've been just wanting to share the stories of people, how they got called into prayer, how God's been speaking to them and how they've grown in prayer over the years and hear different people's stories from our community. And so I thought, well, no one better to start with than Jim, our director. And so, <laughs> Jim, excited to be doing this with you. Yeah. Uh, you want to introduce great. yourself quickly, how you got in and who you sure. are and what you're up to. And... Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah, this is, gonna, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for the opportunity to do this. And uh, uh, yeah, so my name is Jim Hall, and I've been with House of Prayer since the very beginning of House of Prayer Edmonton, uh, which was back in 2003. So I am currently the director of House of Prayer Edmonton and uh, which is a ministry that uh, we'll be talking about it in the next little bit here but a ministry that facilitates prayer in the, in the capital region of Edmonton. Um, I'm married. I've been married for coming up on 23 years. I have two great children, uh, Rebecca who's 20 and uh, my son Josiah who's 17 and uh, so it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun being in Edmonton. I've lived in Edmonton my whole life and uh, love the love the city. I love what God wants to do here. I believe strongly in what God has for this city and and for the region, and and just love praying for uh, for the region and God's purposes. So, yeah. And I've had the I don't know, the honor of working with you for the last number of years, and you're quite dedicated to the place of prayer, and just seeing it and seeing that over and over and over again, how committed. It's been pretty sweet, but how did it start for you? Like, when did God start speaking to you about prayer and highlighting the importance of it? Yeah, so that, for me, that goes back uh, a ways. It goes back to when I first, my early days of being Christian, uh, and I would have been around, right around grade 12, actually, is when this would have happened. And I, uh, I remember vividly there was this, this Sunday, Sunday night and a, a group of us went to a, an evening service over at uh, Zion Baptist Church on the south side of Edmonton. And we, uh, we went to the, this, evening's, this evening service. And I, I just figured it was going to be just normal, normal service. They, had, they did have a guest speaker, but I wasn't expecting anything, you know, like dramatic to happen. But uh, this guy got up and, and he began talking and, and he began speaking about the historic revivals in church history. He talked about, in particular, how prayer uh, preceded each of the major uh, revivals that have happened in, in, in the history of the church. And I, at that point, uh, I had never heard of, I didn't know about revivals. I didn't know that there were any revivals. I had never heard stories of thousands and thousands of people uh, coming to faith in God uh, in a geographic region. I'd, I'd never heard of anything like that. And, uh, and I certainly didn't really know, I knew what prayer was, but I didn't really, uh, the whole, uh, connection between God raising up a group of people who would, uh, stand in the place of prayer and, and, and believe God to release his spirit, uh, and do something just, uh, historic that this would precede the, the outcome pouring the spirit in revival was something that was brand new to me. I just, I had not really heard about it. And looking back, I actually have a recording of, of the, uh, of the, the teaching that night I've listened to it. And it 
let me put it this way. It just reinforces for me that it was a divine ambush. <laughs> that that uh, God, it was a setup. And uh, because something really, really gripped me. And I, uh, I, I still actually have a memory of being up in the balcony of, of Zion Baptist Church and shooting out the back door at the altar call. And I'd never responded to an altar call before in my life. And went out the back door, went up to the front, and and really responded to this call to to really devote yourself to to the the, the ministry of prayer, the activity of prayer, and, and then from right away from there, I just thought, okay, we've got to start doing this. Like we, I, I the idea of, of not seeing the the kind of revival that would have been described, and I mean, any and again, the guy didn't go into great detail about you know some of the some of the revivals, but but just the idea that that was even possible was so uh, so amazing to me. And, and so I began to, to, to uh, reach out to friends and say, look, we got to start praying. We got to start praying for the city. We got to start praying for what's going on. And uh, found a, a, a mediocre response. There was a response, but it wasn't, it was not an overwhelming, uh, it was not an overwhelming thing. Although, you know, people, people love the idea of prayer, but when you actually sort of say, Hey, let's gather together and let's actually have a prayer meeting, yeah. uh, you get a little bit of a different, uh, a different response. But even from those early days, uh, prayer really, really cemented. But I, the thing was, is that I, you know, after about a, a year, year and a half or so, by that point, I thought I was really one of the more committed people to the, at least to the idea of prayer. I didn't really know much about how to do it but you know i was i seemed more into it than other, in anyone else and then yeah. uh, it was about a year year and a half uh two maybe two years later that i got introduced to the the teachings of of mike bickle from uh kansas city and the, yeah. in those days that's so this is uh you know late the early 90s uh, and in those days mike was still pastoring mike bickle was still pastoring a church in kansas city uh, now he's now the director of the house of prayer there. Yeah. And so he, yeah. In case you don't know who he is. Yeah. Mike Bickle is the director of the international house of prayer in Kansas city. And, but in those days, uh, he was still pastoring his local church. And so I heard that that's when I first heard the vision or even the concept. I don't even want to call it a vision. It was a concept, the idea of night and day prayer. Uh, yeah. and, and just even an example a life, a lifestyle of, of deeply, uh, that is deeply committed to prayer with that. That was very, very new to me. And I, I thought, I, I thought I had something going with prayer. I had absolutely had no idea how far this thing could go. Uh, and in those days, again, it was another divine ambush where I really got my, my heart, my mind, my whole being, I just really got arrested in those early days with, uh, and, and filled myself with, with all of this, this vision related to, to prayer and to uh, night and day prayer. And then what happened is, so that's in the nineties in, uh, and then right around 97, 1997, that is when in, in a very particular way, I became, can, I committed myself around the vision of uh, seeing a night and day house of prayer uh, one day be established and saying, yeah. this is awesome. So that was in 97, two what years happened after that. Sorry. Like what was the moment in 97? 
uh, in 97, well, what happened was, uh, again, um, in 1997, by this point, I'm, I'm tracking more, in, more with, uh, with Mike and some of his, his ministry. Yeah. He gave a, he gave a teaching in, in 97. I still have it on cassette tape and he outlined, uh, he outlined the prophetic vision, uh, of, 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 of continual prayer and the, and the house of prayer. And it was that the reason why IHOP international house of prayer in Kansas city, the reason why it's called IHOP is because of the vision that, that came that he really, it, it happened many years before, but in 97, he really, really trumpeted, uh, trumpeted this vision in a profound way. And he talked about there being four, uh, four values that God really was was calling him to in a fresh way that he he'd called he'd he'd called Mike to them before but he was really signed up again and he did this major thing and it was the the I stood for intercession the H was for holiness O was for offerings to the poor and P was for the prophetic ministry of the Holy Spirit hmm. so it was I H O P and uh, and and then in this in this vision. What happened was is that it, it uh, that there was those four letters uh, I H O P and then it went and the letters stood for something else and it stood for International House of Prayer, uh, IHOP, which everybody laughs at because they in the early days they all thought it was the, the House of Pancakes. But yeah, um, so it was in '97 and I again um, that was another it was another teaching where something just it, it shifted like inside and i was like i want that i want to i want to sign up for that i want i believe with all my heart that the intercession holiness offerings for the poor and prophetic ministry are are essential they are essential for god's purposes now there are other values as well there there are many other values but these four are the ones uh that really often get neglected they are the ones that sort of get sidelined and uh but but really what god was saying through to mike bickle and through him was that these values are essential values for god's uh purposes in these in this generation uh, in, in every generation but in this yeah. generation for sure that's intercession holiness yeah. offerings to the poor and prophetic ministry prophetic ministry yeah so in what it was was he actually what it, what it was is he he um he was relating a vision that that paul kane had and in the vision and he, paul kane just explain quickly sure so paul kane was a prophetic man that uh journey well he's he he just recently passed away the last few years uh last couple of years yeah but he was really really connected with with kansas city he had a long history in the 1950s in the healing revivals and uh, a, a very, very long and established prophetic ministry. And so I can't remember exactly when he had this, this, he, he described it as an open vision where he, he literally saw the, the, the sign that went in, in a vertical way, I H O P and beside the words was intercession, holiness, offerings for the poor and prophetic ministry. IHOP, and then what happened is he saw this. Paul Kane said that he he visually saw, it. and then all of a sudden the the letters went they went uh, from being vertical to being horizontal, and then it said International House of Prayer, 
And wow. so that, that's how, that's why IHOP is called IHOP is Never because heard of that. that. Yeah. That's because of that. It's because of that vision. And uh, I'll let you listen to the tape, Mark, sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> but this, this thing was, it was really, again, he had shared those values many, many years ago, like in the 80s and, and stuff like that. Or in the, maybe it was in the early 90s. But again, in 1997, there was a very, very profound season in Mike's life where God called him in a fresh way to sign up. And so that, it was in that context that he gave that vision or he shared that vision that Paul Kane had and he himself said, I'm signing up. And just, there was so much there that I just wholeheartedly said yes to. So just in, to summarize a, a, a long, uh, uh, it could be a very long story, but I'm going to summarize it really quickly. That led me personally to into the whole realm of church planting. Uh, at, in those days I was on staff at Central Baptist Church and then that led to us establishing uh, a church plant. And the church plant that we, we started was uh, based around those, there, there's more values. Every church needs to have more values than just those four. But those four, the IHOP, were, were, the, were the core values that we, we started our church around. And we did this. And for the, the intercession what we were doing was, as we said, well, that was in one sense, that was the one that we understood how at least what it could look like the most. And so what we did was we started in 2003, the whole, the whole church plant started for us in 2003. And in 2000, that same year, we started having 24 hour prayer gatherings. And those began in October 31st, October 31st, 2003 it was the first one that we ever did. And, and then we started doing, uh, like I said, on a monthly basis and very, very quickly, those, those meetings, we began to refer to those as house of prayer Edmonton or hope. We called it, we put the Edmonton at the end because of the acronym hope. And yeah. so that was, that's what started us along the valley, the, the journey towards, towards house of prayer Edmonton. And now, <laughs> 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 now so yeah the next the next chapters of what happened was in so we started in from 2003 until 2008 yeah. uh, what we did was all all we were able to do was have one time a month at this 24-hour prayer gather we take 24 hours we divided it into 12 two-hour prayer blocks we'd get people to sign up and they would gather together. It was always in one location. So it wasn't everybody in their own home. Uh, it was in one location. People would come. Um, and we, we, we moved around in those years a couple of, a couple of different, well, three different places, actually. Um, and then we uh, doing those. And I, I would say that that, that to me, was the, uh, the most difficult and, in some ways, the most miraculous uh, season that we've had. And the reason I say it was, what was miraculous about it is that we didn't quit uh, because it was hard. There were very, very few people. Uh, you know, sometimes we were, we, we were struggling, struggling to get, to get enough people to cover all the prayer hours. I remember, uh, you know, doing me and, and a friend of mine, Al, we would do uh, 
we would do one in the morning uh, or was it midnight, midnight or one in the morning until three in the morning. And then there was the next guy that was supposed to come at three. And I, I remember many times praying for him, praying for that guy uh, <laughs> at two 30 so that God would so that he'd show up. Cause I want to go home and wake up and come. Yeah. I want to wake up. And cause you know, there's sometimes when it didn't happen, like there's once or twice in a whole bunch of years where the, the, where the, you know, the alarm didn't go off or, or whatever, he just, just turned it off or whatever happened. Yeah. And I ended up kind of having to go through uh, and cover because nobody shows up. You just keep, keep going. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so the, but just the fact that we didn't quit, um, it was, it was really, really tough in a lot of ways. And then what happened in 2008, by this time we were meeting at the marketplace chapel in West Edmonton mall. Uh, and so, we were meeting there, and the, the reason for that was that um, the West Edmonton Mall, everybody in Edmonton knows where that mall is. Uh, even if you don't know the address, you know where it is. And it's and in those days, it was open 24 hours. It was, it was just the doors just were open, and you could walk around. Even though the stores were closed, you could walk around and pray. And, and, you, and, we, and we had uh, primarily our prayer time was based in, the, in this little chapel. It was a privately funded Christian chapel. So for anybody who's not from Edmonton, it was an amazing thing that in, in West Edmonton Mall, which was at that time, for a period of time, uh, when it opened, it was the largest mall in the world. Um, but it has one of the few uh, uh, shopping malls that has a privately funded Christian chapel in it. And that's a whole other story about how those guys started that many years ago in the 80s. But uh, But we ended up meeting there. And in the uh, in in starting in two two thousand and seven or two thousand and eight, I think we moved over uh, into and started meeting there just because it was convenient. There was parking; everybody knew where it was. It was much more accessible yeah. than where we were. And so, in two thousand and eight, the other thing is I'm probably going into too much detail here, but um, Fatine Grishecki, she came uh, with her team. And in 2008, she did a large rally at uh, at the. Uh, I'm trying to um, Fort Edmonton. Fort Edmonton. She did it in Fort Edmonton, and she did this big rally in Fort Edmonton. And in 2008, and the reason that I I, I mention that is because out of that prayer rally and gathering and whatever that kind of an event should be called. Out of that, a whole bunch of people came to me uh, like soon after, like the Monday after it was over, after the weekend kind of thing. And they got together and I heard from multiple people saying, it's now the time, they really felt that it was time for us, for House for Edmonton to move from a monthly format to something bigger or something more often. And there was some discussion about it, but what it ended up happening is, is that in 2008, we started, we started uh, meeting on a weekly basis. So we would do the monthly 24 hours, but in addition to that, we would do every Friday night. And it was out of that, um, it's just something, it, I don't know whether you want to say that something shifted spiritually, uh, whether it was just a divine timing of God or whatever, however you want to understand it. But uh, I vividly know that it was, it was after that uh, weekend in Edmonton at, at Fort Edmonton with, when, that Fatine led, it wasn't connected to us at all. We, we, some of us attended it. I remember I was there, but it wasn't an official event that we had anything to do with, but it shifted yeah. things and we started meeting. And then in 2009, that's when ICE came on staff 
full time with House of Prayer Edmonton, and we moved to a daily format. And so that's kind of that is the very very condensed version of an amazing uh, sort of whirlwind journey that we've been on since then. Yeah, that's and now you're there every day, full time since 2009. Yeah, that's 11 years full time. Yeah, the 11th year now. <laughs> amazing time goes by quick <laughs> it does so you spend hundreds of hours probably every year then in prayer and yeah well that's that's the thing is is uh you know it's it's easy the, the temptation is often to to get excited about prayer and talk about prayer uh and even in a prayer meeting you, you end up spending half the time talking and, and i remember in the early days i was really really committed to not do that i, I just wanted i wanted the prayer meeting to be prayer and uh i was a little bit i was probably a little bit too zealous on that point in the early days but uh but uh yeah no we have we we've had a lot of prayer meetings and, and we're you know we're a really always have been uh, a real small little uh little ministry but i mean we pray there's, there's hundreds of hours hundreds and hundreds of hours that have gone on and and uh and just doing it on a on a near daily basis, we do weekdays, Monday to uh, Monday to Friday, and uh, you know we're still uh, we're still doing the twenty four hour prayer thing once a month, as well as other uh, as whether other other opportunities and uh, yeah. where we're gathering the the region together and, and stuff. You know, it's, it's changed a little bit over the years, but uh, at the at the core of it is still a belief that God wants to partner with his people. He, he wants us to pray. He's given us open access to his throne to come before him and to pray and to really join him in what he already wants to do. We're not convincing him to do something he doesn't want to do. Uh, he's really convincing us to agree with what he already wants to do, which is perfect and awesome and in every way. And so, I mean, that's what we're doing is we're, we're agreeing with what God wants to do in his heart already. Uh, and the more we discover what's in his heart, uh, we grow in intimacy with God because we discover his heart and we get to, to partner with him. We get to actually have a, uh, a place in this. We have a, a role to play in his purposes. And, and I, I believe firmly that God is raising up the water level of prayer in, in the Edmonton area. He's doing it all over the world, but in, in our little you know, area of the capital region, uh, the water level is definitely rising. And uh, there's, there's more, more people are, are talking about uh, prayer, more churches are, are, are engaging with prayer. And uh, I, I believe it's still early days in terms of when it's, when it's, uh, where it's going and everything, but uh, the Lord's doing something and, and that's very profound in this, in this generation, in this time. So mm -hmm. I, I love being a part of it. <laughs> it is, and I can see on the wall behind you, uh, prayer and the word. On that yeah, one, what you call it. You want to explain the story behind there? Oh yeah, that one's that's funny. You, you know what? Since we've been doing all of these uh, uh, meetings on Zoom uh, during this COVID crisis, uh, this is my little office here. You're the only person that's noticed that. <laughs> the only person, and, and uh, to me, it's real obvious, but. No, that, that for me is, uh, so I've never told you this story, Mark, because, uh, so what, what that is, is so when, when I was, uh, I can't even remember what year it was, I'd have to look that up, 
but uh, when I was ordained as a, I'm part of the Baptist church. And uh, so I was ordained at Central Baptist Church. And uh, my, my good friend and uh, the, the associate pastor at the time, Doug Myers, and his wife, uh, they, were, they were good friends of mine. And, and so, uh, yeah, Doug's wife made that, uh, that for me. And it's sort of like this little sash and, and whatnot. And it, just, it is just the, the values of, uh, of the word and prayer. And I remember at my, at my ordination, uh, yeah. you know, at, at, so I, and at this point, this is before I started House for Edmonton. This is before I was church planting. Like this is, this is, uh, this would have been, well, I finished seminary in 1999. So it would have been about maybe around the year 2000, I guess, when this would have happened. I'd have to check the, the, the date, but uh, at the ordination service, uh, they, you know, they made that, that uh, sash as a gift and, uh, and they came. And so they're, you know, they're praying for me and stuff and they came and they gave that to me and they, and they draped that over me. Uh, you know, and so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. So I've had that since, uh, well, ever since then I, I've, I've had this room. And so I've, I've, uh, I just, I hang it up there and this is my little study <laughs> area. So just cause yeah. to me, the word prayer and the word absolutely go together. Yeah. And, uh, I was going to ask like, why do you value it? Why do you put so much on the word along with prayer? So, yeah. For, so to me, one of the great challenges in corporate prayer is is unity in a in a prayer meeting and to to make it concise uh, i believe that one of the greatest tools or means of bringing unity to a prayer meeting is is the scriptures especially when uh you have different believers from different uh backgrounds and tribes and denominations and churches uh, when you're trying to have something that's on that where you're seeing people from across uh, a, a town or a city uh, from different congregations praying together, the the scriptures are something that is is are are profoundly unifying. So what what we do is really emphasize the importance of of praying the scriptures. Now that doesn't mean in a, in some sort of magical or or, or uh, formulaic way, it's taking a particular passage and, and turning that passage, using the language of that passage as, as sort of the foundation place that you're praying. So the easiest example for everybody to, to understand would be taking the Lord's Prayer. So Jesus' disciples, Matthew uh, 6, his disciples come to him and say, hey, tell us about how to pray. And what he does is he gives them this short little prayer that we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, and so what, what we do now, I mean, many people have done this, people have done this for generations, is they'll take that prayer and, I mean, it's only a few verses long, but you, you take it as sort of like a, a launching pad. And so you, you, it gives you uh, just directions to pray. So, you know, you're praying for, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Uh, on earth as it is in heaven, or, you know, you just, and you can just pray on that. And you can just pray that for the church, or you can pray that for yourself, or you can pray that for whoever, uh, you know, uh, give us today our daily bread. Again, you can just, you can begin to uh, pray that. And so when you, you incorporate the language 
of the scriptures, so in this case, in this example, the Lord's Prayer, uh, you're, you're using the languages. It just makes it so much easier for people to agree with your prayer. Uh, yeah. Because nothing, uh, it, it, one of the great struggles in prayer meetings is, is unity because we're constantly sort of like, well, you know, I don't know if I agree with that prayer. Or I'm not, in, you know, I don't, I don't know if that, I agree with that point or something like that, or I don't really care about that or whatever. Uh, and it just, there's all these little things that are trying to get us from away from in unity. Uh, and what I mean by unity is where it's not just sort of like, yeah, it's good that you're praying that. It's where at a heart level, the people in the room are engaged together and saying, yes, and amen. This is what we, we want this to happen. Yes, Lord, do, do that thing. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let, you know, uh, provide people with their daily bread, whatever it, whatever it is. Uh, so to me, uh, one of the great ways for us to be in corporate prayer, unified together is through the scriptures. But another thing about, about the word is just, uh, and again, there's so much that could be said, is the importance of giving language to, to for prayer. Uh, most people, you know, one of the reasons they don't know how to pray, they don't pray very much, they don't know what to say. And, but the, but the scriptures give us language, like the Bible gives us language to express our heart. And it allows us to really uh, begin to, you know, to, to launch out and to pray for different things. And, uh, and so the word, and, it, the other, and the third thing that I always talk about is just, um, like when I pray this, when I pray from the Bible, I know I'm praying, you know, I, it, I don't know what a hundred percent, cause you can misuse this. You can take the scriptures out of context. I realize, but it really helps me and, and people. It helps us to pray in the will of God. And mm -hmm. the Bible's really, really clear in, in first John. Uh, it, it says that, you know, if we pray according to his will, this is the confidence that we know that we have the thing that we've asked of him. And so it allows me and anyone to pray with great boldness and confidence, uh, which is always another struggle that, that people have in prayers. People are like, well, how do I know whether my prayers are doing any good? How do I know whether God's listening? How, what, if I'm, what if I'm wasting my time? And, and it doesn't feel that way. But with the, with the Bible, when you're praying this, it helps us come into agreement with God's will. Because the, as I said earlier, really, that's a lot of what intercession needs to be, is us agreeing with God about what he already, what he has already decided that he wants to do. And the scriptures are our best source of understanding the heart of God and knowing what he wants to do. So when I pray according to the scriptures, I know that I'm, 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 in, I'm bringing myself into alignment and into agreement with God's, with God's heart and his purposes. So that, and that gives me real boldness because I, you know, I could pray that I would win the, the, the Ferrari that's in the, in the shopping mall you know, let's, let's see, you buy a ticket for, to see if you win it. Uh, I can pray and ask to win, you know, God, let me have the winning ticket uh, for the, for the fancy car. But I don't know that that's God's will for me to, ha I'd like it. I'd like to have the fancy car, but uh, I never bought one of those tickets before, but uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to have that, but I don't know whether it's God's will, but if I know, if I'm praying, uh, you know, according to the scriptures, then it gives me this great boldness that I can have. So that, to me, that's why uh, prayer and the word have to go together. 
And just like there's those two words are on the on on each side of of that uh, uh, of that sash, uh, to me they they just go together. They're inseparable uh, in terms of prayer. So I think it, the word and prayer to me are two sides of one coin. Yeah, no, that's one of the things I remember when I first got involved with House of Prayer and seeing like how just you, the word was used so much. Like if you've ever been there, you watch people and they go pray and they quote a scripture and then they pray uh, based like on what they just read. And to me, it was like foundational. Like, oh, this, I all of a sudden have language to use. All of a sudden we're praying like I can agree with you. Like I'm, and also broadens like there's scriptures. And when you start looking at the promises, like there's things I probably never asked for in prayer that is in there and you're like oh that's in here i could actually pray for god to like acts 13 i think it is or is it 19 i'd have to look it up but like when the whole city turns up yeah. and you're like he's done that before like the whole city begs to hear the gospel preached to them and you're like oh mm-hmm. he's done this in scripture not just stories like and i can pray for this and say hey you've done this once before you can do it again and and so from your journey from grade 12 and God marking you to the place of prayer, and now uh, some years later, what would you say would be some of the, like, the, so some of the revelations or understanding you have of prayer now that you wish you understood earlier on? Yeah. Um, that's a great, it's a super great question. I, I, to me, I would say that, um, one of one of the things that I because I started out in prayer with a, a real focus on praying for uh, a revival or uh, you know divine activity happening on the earth and then in in my journey what happened very soon after that was um, was I was really exposed and taught uh, and experienced some of the, just the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, whether it's, uh, some of the miraculous gifts of the spirit, like prophecy or, uh, or healing or whatever, or, you know, what any of these kind of things, um, you know, that kind of really shaped, uh, what, what I was praying about in the, in the sense that I wanted something to happen. And, the the challenge is is that i believe that god wants to send he's going to bring revival i believe from the bible that this is going to happen i i know that it's in his will that that the lost will be saved i believe from the scriptures that there's going to be a great end time harvest uh but i don't know when that's really all going to take place and i think at the beginning or in the early days i I think I had, uh, and I'm using some language that that uh, that is more recent to me. Uh, I had more of a transactional view of prayer that I, I I viewed it as a means to an end, which was something happening, like you know miracles or the law, the greatest miracle of all, which is the lost being saved. That's the greatest miracle ever, and you know, and all of this kind of thing, and so. The whole concept of the whole idea of, of intimacy with God wasn't in my thinking a lot in the early days. 
Uh, I was praying to get something done. I was praying so that this would happen. I was praying, if I'm totally honest, so that life would be more exciting. <laughs> Uh, that instead of uh, boring church meetings, that there would be exciting church meetings. And that things also, you know, and this is another thing that, you know, it still is very much, you're always, you know, wrestling with this, is, you know, praying that things would grow, that things would expand. Uh, because especially here in the West, we equate uh, success with growth. And we, we and particularly, and the church is, is filled with this is that if something is anointed or God's moving, if that's something that's growing and getting bigger and, and is more popular and all of that. And that, that's these met metrics. The problem is God didn't have those metrics. Uh, he doesn't really subscribe to those. Yes, absolutely. You know, 5,000 people, uh, you know, thousands of people getting saved. And yes, those things have happened. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of times in there when Jesus did things to drive people away and, and, you know, to get to whittle the crowd down. And, you know, he, he said all those kind of things. And, and, and a lot of the, the other thing is about prayer is just to, I want to throw this in. Um, most of the prayer that is associated with the historic revivals is real small and real little. And, it's, you know, a, uh, you know a, a smaller group of people. Uh, some of them, we don't even know how big it was, but it wasn't. The thing was, is that with the with with revival, you can't trace it back and say, yeah, there was like, a, uh, you know, thousands of people began to pray or, or hundreds of people began to pray. And and then the revival happened. It, it wasn't like that. You know, you, you have to get into that. So in terms of like what I've what I've learned and what has shifted me is I, I feel like this transactional thing is important to, to highlight here because. Um, if you're praying for things to happen, and I believe that we need to do that, it's just absolutely right there in the Bible. I could go on and on and on about it. Uh, but if that's our focus, when things don't happen in the time that we think they should happen or that we're expecting them to happen, people eventually give up. If that's your primary, if your primary purpose and, and drive in prayer if the primary reason why you're praying is is about getting some getting God to do something, uh, we, you'll quit when it doesn't happen. But God is is relentless in His desire that that He is the reason why we pray. He's the one why we, He is the reason why we are gathering together, uh, or or praying alone. Uh, and and when you can get that. When you can get that focus, it's a lot easier to, it's much easier to, uh, to stay with it over the long period of time. Like one of the reasons why people quit is because they conclude that nothing is happening. Well, I mean, you know, in like, for instance, in Kansas City, uh, where things really ramped up in 1999 and they started at 24 hour a day, seven day a week prayer meeting they started a prayer meeting in 1999 that to this day has not stopped once it just goes on and on and on and and still there hasn't been a great huge massive historic third great awakening in america it still hasn't happened mm -hmm. so a lot of people will come and say well i just quit i give up i'm going to go on and do something i tried the prayer thing for a while the prayer is not a thing that we try for a while i, mean, I think for some people it is but that's not the way it's intended 
it's not intended to be transactional. And if we want to stay with it for a while, for, for the long period of time, uh, I think we it, it, the Lord has to move us past uh, it only being this this thing that gets where God answers our prayer and gets things and get things done, where it becomes about intimacy and par- experiencing His heart and and being with Him and enjoying Him for who He is, not just what He will do but I want to enjoy God for who he is to me that, you know, it's what he said. It's what the Lord said to Abraham. He said, I am your exceedingly great reward. Me, the Lord, I am your great reward. And that is what I believe has began. The Lord just, and it, it's not like it, God will teach everybody these things because it's it, that stay with it because you just, you can't, there's, He'll do it in a lot of different ways, but at the end of the day, he's bringing us to a place where he is our reason, not only what he will do, but he himself. And so to me, I would say that's probably one of the most important things uh, that has, that has uh, allowed, enabled me to do that. Second thing that I'll, I'll, I'll say really, really quickly, because I know I'm going too long with these answers, is um, a big one for me is, is um, the, the, how do I how do I explain this uh, quickly? Um, I believe that the scriptures teach us very clearly in First Corinthians three that at the end of our at the end of our life here on earth we are going to give an account. Even as saved people, as people who are saved in Jesus and through Jesus, we are going to give an account of what we did with our time on the earth. That it's, it's that whole thing of you know, did I build with wood, hay, and stubble, or did I build with gold and silver and precious stones? Like, which did I use? And, and, and those are, it's in 1 Corinthians 3. And, and to me, that's something that God really in the early days began to impress on me is the, is the, is the point that when I spend time in prayer, I am making an investment. I'm in making an investment that is eternal. The, the, the pay, uh, no, payback isn't the right word, but the, the, the dividends on that investment are, in my mind, clearly eternal. And so for the last 20 years, over 20 years of my life, I have had it very clearly, and I really mean this, in, in my mind and in my consciousness, that I want to devote my life to prayer and because one day I will stand before God and I will say, you, you have graciously saved me through Christ. I have never earned anything at all. It was a free gift of God in Christ. Mm-hmm. But this is what I did with the redeemed life that you gave me. This is what I did. This is how I invested it. This is what I did with the talent. That I, I don't mean the talent as in you know, being good at praying. I just mean this is what I did, the, the, the parable of the talents. This is what I did with it. I didn't, you know, I didn't stick it in the ground. I invested it. And, and I believe that that it speaks of many things, but it speaks of the way that we invest our time and our energy and our, and our, our resources that we can't get back. So I know this, that uh, this is, a, I, I come back to this many times. Every moment that I have spent attempting to pray, even just the attempt, the reach to pray, God remembers it forever. 
He remembers it forever. It's written in his book. And whether it's not about whether or not I'm successful at, and oh man, that was, I got 30 seconds of really anointed prayer and that's going to be written in the book. And the rest of the time I was kind of fighting distraction and I was kind of bored and I didn't really know what to say. And I felt unanointed. That's 95% of my prayer life is, is wrestling with being bored, distracted and feeling unanointed. There's only really about 5% of my prayer time ever. I mean, which is mo a lot of the vast majority of it. Uh, it just feels dull and all that. But the thing is, is that my conviction is that the scriptures tell us that all of that is remembered by God, that all of it is, 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 an in, is just investing my life. And it's all I'm doing is reaching for God. And that is precious to God. And, and so anybody who's, who is listening to this and watching this, I, I would want you to know that your prayers, your attempts at prayer that you don't feel are working, they are working because God values them. And that's where, that's what makes it gold is that God esteems it. You're spending your time doing, trying to do something that God puts enormous value on. And he will remember those prayers forever. You, I've forgotten 90, 98%, 99% of anything I've ever prayed. I can't remember what I prayed last week. Most of it. And what, but God remembers it. He's got, one day I'm going to stand with the Lord or before the Lord. And I, I soberly believe he will look back and he will say, and he'll, he'll say, you prayed for this and you prayed for that. And, and I remember it and I value it. And, and even the reach of it. I mean, I was, I was, I, I'm continually stunned by this, the story of, of uh, John the Baptist, the birth, the birth of John the Baptist. The angel shows up to Zachariah, John the Baptist's father. Now, John and Elizabeth, they've been trying to have kids for a long time. They weren't able to have kids. Uh, so the Bible says that she was barren. And then the, the angel shows up and says, you're going to have a son. His name's going to be John. Zachariah, you know, well, what, what the angel says is, your prayers have been heard. And somebody taught me this years ago, and it really, really rocked me. Um, when the angel comes and says, your prayers have been heard, almost certainly those are, he was, that's referring to prayers that they prayed years before. Because Zachariah goes, well, wait a minute, my wife and I are really old. I don't see how this is possible. Like, how can I know for sure that this is going to happen? And then the angel says he's going to not be able to speak for a long period of time because he didn't really believe and, and all that kind of, that statement alone indicates almost, I mean, it doesn't prove it, but it really, really is strong evidence that the prayers for a child had been prayed a long time ago, a long, long time ago. We don't know how long, but a long time ago. And the angel shows up and says, your prayer has been heard. You are now going to have a son. I believe that all of us are praying prayers one day and we think we've forgotten them. We think God's forgotten them, but he hasn't forgotten them. And God has not forgotten it. He's going to remember and he's going to answer. And I think one day we're going to stand and we're going to be shocked on that day. We're going to be shocked at how God says, you prayed for this and that. And then I, you didn't think I answered it, but over here, all those years later, I'm, you, the answer comes and we will be shocked on that day. And so 
that's another going into the what are some of the the maybe the revelations of prayer that have helped sustain me uh, through the years. Like those ones, just the the, the importance of uh, the importance of the fact that I'm investing my life and that all our prayers are, are are heard and they matter and and there's dividends at the end. To me, that's massive. So the the two things that I've highlighted one is moving beyond merely a, a transactional concept of prayer where it's sort of like i pray god does something uh, and if he doesn't do it then i get bummed out and I, and I get discouraged uh so moving beyond that to where i'm partnering with god i'm doing it because he is my great reward and then number two is is the is the revelation of scripture that what we do with our life as redeemed human beings that this matters in the end and that we get to present something to God and say, God, here's what I did with the redeemed life that you gave me. Here's how I invested it. And I believe with all my heart that prayer is eternal and it, uh, and it will, it will prove gold in the end. That's good. I like that. It's a good way to close. Yeah. Sorry. That was a little bit too long. <laughs> I get, I get yeah. excited about these. Things. <laughs> I love listening. I love the passion. So thanks so much, Jim. It's been good hearing. You want to pray for those who might be listening? Uh, yeah. We close off. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. All right. So Lord, I just thank you for this, this extraordinary gift called prayer. I thank you for uh, every person who is going to listen to this podcast. And, and Lord, I want to pray specifically for them. I want to pray for that, that man, that woman uh, that is listening to this right now. And I want to pray, Oh God, just for, for you to touch them and anoint them with grace in, in prayer. I ask, Lord, that there would be a stirring, uh, Lord, a conviction, a, a stirring, a desire, Lord, that you would awaken desire within them. I pray for the, a holy ambush, God. I, I pray that you would just come and, 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 and supernaturally touch, uh, touch them, Lord. If there have been praying in the past and maybe they there's somebody that's prayed and they haven't they used to pray but now they're not praying that much god call them back call them back the lord's calling you back to the place of prayer to the just the, to engage with him in a new way uh and lord for for others for whom prayer has just been a mystery and something they've never really uh known how to do oh god i ask lord that you would open up the just that uh, hunger that you can i know because you've done it in my life god do it in their life that you would awaken them uh, a hunger to reach towards you in prayer and lord i you promised that those who would seek you that you would be found by them and so god i just prayed blessing i pray a blessing on every person who is going to hear this podcast and i pray lord that the hunger for prayer would be awakened and that there would be a corresponding grace to begin to step out in a new way. Whatever that means, whatever that new means for them, Lord, a grace. We call for a grace. I pray for grace upon grace to be given to them in the realm of prayer. And so I thank you for them. I ask your blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you found this encouraging and a blessing, encouraging in your prayer life. If you want to find out more about House of Prayer Edmonton or if you'd like to donate to the ministry there, you can find out more at hopedmonton.ca and we'll be praying for you. Blessings. <laughs>